As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Peter Drury's tour of Morocco's major metropolitan areas, Canada's shop window credentials confirmed, just how acceptable is nil all, Martin Tyler's lonely World Cup commentary marathon, the scoring goals for fun threshold, can anyone welcome anyone to the World Cup, the ultimate Patrick Vieira experience, and Keezy's mate Kakar. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 212 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Alongside you, David Walker. How's things? Yeah, very good. Um, I had a bit of a strange moment actually on, on Saturday that I wanted mm-hmm. to bring to your attention. So, yeah, obviously I was I was feeling a little bit worse for wear after Friday night. Uh, watching England v v USA, but I did get up to watch um, Australia v Tunisia. But however, I did fall asleep on the sofa, and then when I woke up, it just took me a few minutes to realise what was going on because I was greeted with the sight in front of me: Manish Bashin, David James, and Glenn Murray hosting coverage of Kings Lynn Town versus Stevenage. Bloody hell! The FA Cup what change of pace round. that is? <laughs> <laughs> Completely different vibe, isn't it, Charlie? That is amazing. On, on a much lower level, I turned on the TV whenever it was uh, on Sunday. I think, yeah, on Sunday, and I had that split second having to like, readjust my brain because I've turned on quite a few games this World Cup and not really known necessarily. You know, mm. it takes you a moment to be like, oh yeah, so you know, whatever, Cameroon versus Serbia, and I sort of just glanced at the initial. 
who who is that and what is that ah okay it's uh it's very much FA Cup second round <laughs> very disorientating really want to um, big up my success rate for this tournament which I think might be a lifetime high for me of getting the channel right when I just blindly assume oh the really the game yeah. is yeah. on I'm on a really good run at the moment I have to say that is satisfying yeah you turn it on you go to the channel an expanse of green in front of your eyes and you nailed mm. it absolutely nailed it anyway let's move on with this podcast swiftly because um well let's get this out of the way nice and quickly here is peter drury on morocco sealing their win over belgium Ziyech! I love relish it in Rabat, Charlie. <laughs> That's amazing. Did he did he have a list of Moroccan cities available well, to him? Or I mean Rabat's funnily, up there with something that could yeah, come to you. I mean Rabat's the capital, but funnily enough, the commentator I can't remember if this was a BBC or an ITV game, because I can't remember who the commentator was, but they when they were introing the game said something like, Well, this you know, this feels much this is there's such strong Moroccan support, this feels like it could be Casablanca or Rabat, sort of like as oh. if so he clearly, you know, I think those two are the ones in sort of people's heads Marrakesh, so yeah I don't Eurasia I know Marrakesh obviously gutted about that so I don't know if, if that's a sort of you know commentators union that they, they, they only go with those two I like the the drink it in Casablanca it could almost be repurposed as something from Moroccan tourist board that yes it, yeah as it, as drink it in Casablanca um, drink it in Casablanca he, he, could, he could do tourism videos I suppose but, he um, definitely could yeah. yeah I am I am reliably informed that the word bedlam did appear Elsewhere in that broadcast, uh, I'm yet to find it, but I'm reassured that he got Bedlam in there somehow. This is delightful. Hot on the heels of our chat last time about which nation was the most shop windowy of the World Cup, Dave. Mm. Along come arguably the two clubs most for major tournament shop windowiness, and that's Celtic and Watford. Brilliant, brilliant news because um, so it turns out Celtic might be in for. Canada ace Alistair Johnson. So that's solid, isn't it? That's a solid start to the shop window nature. Now, bear in mind, at this stage, as I understand it, he's just a link. There may have been talks, but it is essentially just a rumour. You know, mid-range transfer rumour. But that didn't stop someone asking him about it, and he gave the most player in shop window a response. Look, to be linked with uh, a club like Celtic is obviously something that I think every young footballer is excited by. Um... I think it's one of the most passionate fan bases in the world, if not the most pa- uh, passionate fan base. Um, it's a club that even people who don't follow football know who it is. Um, so, yeah, no, just getting linked with them. My phone's been blowing up. I nearly broke my phone, actually. I, it's probably time to upgrade from the iPhone 10. Um, people have been telling me that for the past couple of years now, but uh, <laughs> that nearly put my phone out of commission um, halfway through a World Cup. So, look, um, no, it's super exciting to get linked to that. Um, but right now, the focus is just solely on the national team. Dave, under the <laughs> assumption that it's impossible to patronise a person who's about to be uh, potentially signed by one of the biggest football clubs in uh, football consciousness, um, that was one of the most innocent things I've ever heard a footballer talk about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you said he, you gave, that he gave the most football player linked with club answer possible, but I think he's gone way beyond what you would normally get from 
it's, it would normally be downplayed out of hand mm. within within five seconds. He's mm. really gone into detail there. That, it, it verging on a come and get me plea. I would say. <laughs> Charlie, love the obligatory. Must um, mention the Celtic fan base before talking about anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also I was going to say I would bet everything I own that he was going to start the answer with look or listen. Mm. That is absolutely like it. it that you have to do that, and mm. I, I th- I'm trying to think what I think it's a signpost of. I don't know what it is. It's like conveying earnestness, I guess, or look, you know, listen, I'm. Canada's just, just gonna... the Northern Hemisphere, Australia. Let's let's face it. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, there was some. Oh, I wanted to. Yeah, I wondered as well, like how with that thing of like phones breaking, which you know is this kind of cliche that one's here I, I am curious as to what sort of volume we're talking about whether whether that is actually possible that phones do break under the sheer weight of messages and calls and whatever I mean I can imagine that back in the day you'd think now they'd be better set up yeah, I think they could have um, it, the bandwidth or, may, or maybe they just say it's going to happen to such a teeny weeny proportion of our customers <laughs> Let it happen and it'll be a good story for them. I'm sure he's got a premium account as a player in demand in the shop window. I think um, so. Things didn't stop there though, Dave, because uh, Canada's Ismail Kone is being linked with Watford. Mm, Sounds perfect. quite Watfordy. Yeah, it does. Um, and it was the, the timing was impeccable. I think it was literally less than 12 hours after we recorded the podcast last week and talked about that, that um, Canada being shop windowy. Mm. There we were, linked yeah. straight away with the uh, Canadian midfield. No quotes from him about this potential move, but uh, uh, to reassure any Watford fans who think the deal might not be going through, I can tell you that Ismail Kone does have a 2022 Welcome to Watford question mark, amazing skills, <laughs> assists and goals, HD YouTube video. Um, the soundtrack is Unknown Brain for Glacio, Jungle of Love, um, which, is, which uh, without knowing what that song sounds like, I can assure you it sounds exactly as you would imagine. <laughs> so that actually exists? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For real. I just yeah. saw, saw it on the running or and thought you'd made it up. No, uploaded three days ago. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Um, I don't know how comprehensive it is, but uh, of a showcase. The ultimate shop window question for Canada, though, Charlie, as his star continues to rise, where's John Herdman going next? Ooh. Has it risen? Has the star risen? It's that first, it first, that first game, he did the way the, they... They did the speech, didn't he? Yeah, but he's been, oh, so he has been left with egg on his face slightly, hasn't uh, he? I don't think that. I don't think that's that, that's not a blot on his footballing copybook. Yeah, I don't okay. think, and I, I, also I don't think it was that disrespectful. It's not that big a deal. No, I I feel like his move is a. I find it quite hard to benchmark international managers, but I would say like a top top level championship side, maybe a Norwich. Swansea or someone like that. Norwich, maybe a little. That feels like too much of a. Maybe Norwich. Um, I'm kind of imagining that he's a bit where Graham Potter was when he made that move over to to England or back to England. And I think his first job was Swansea, wasn't it, in England? So I think like it's it that that yeah that level is kind of what I'm imagining. We're going to get accused of Anglo-centric arrogance here, Dave. Just assuming that Herdman both wants and is destined for the, the English leagues, but. Um, wherever he goes, he's going to end up in a sort of relegation battle, fronting up situation in the Premier League at some point because I feel like he's going to be he's going to do really well as a relegation threatened Premier League manager he's got the talk for that he's got all the verbal tools for it I think to make the comparison with Jesse Marsh who's obviously come from America but Herman's English but he's kind of got that he has he has kind of taken on that sort of transatlantic kind of speak football Mm. speak Mm -hmm. it's sort of mixed with a bit of eccentric sort of Englishman but it's also quite sort of North American MLSE type vocabulary. And I, I can see him in a similar situation to Jesse Marsh at Leeds, to Bob Bradley at Swansea. Mm. Just a sort of 
bit of a gamble of an appointment with eight games left or something. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he would be viewed with suspicion, definitely, because he'd be sort of viewed as a kind of de facto Canadian coming over here and telling us how mm. to do things, despite being from the northeast. That would be a very curious situation, actually. Like Jesse Marsh as well, he does have a good name for Keezy to say, which is quite an important yeah. thing when weighing up. Um, um, UK citizen spent most of his career in Canada. Canada. Betting Hombre writes in Charlie and says, um, I've heard that Canada have made a lot of friends at this World Cup. <laughs> uh, they are classic, made a lot of friends. I mean, it is the most patronising thing you can say about a team at a World Cup because um, even making up the numbers do- isn't actually... I mean, because you never say... You always say, well, they're not here to make up the numbers and even that's not quite as patronising. So making a lot of friends is... It's, it really is the bottom of the barrel for that. It, it, yeah. In a nice way. Yeah, I love that. Mm. I think, like, I feel like the reggae boys of '98 who were patronised the crap out of yeah. were also tired a bit with them. They've made a lot of friends with you know the noise that their fans bring. It's just mm. just wonderful. Yeah, Canada probably. I'm looking at the teams now. If there are any more, I mean, you get that as well in like Premier League relegations as well. Teams that have come up, you know, like Blackpool in 1011, mm. that because they played really sort of attacking football, but they and they went down, but they. I made a lot of friends over the last yeah, nine months. Yeah, it's kind of like if breath of fresh air is the thing happening, made a lot of friends is the looking back over the breath exactly. of fresh air. Exactly. It speaks to them not being perceived as a threat exactly. by any other nation. It's, 100%. We, can, we can have a game against these guys, but we can have a laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> tournament's <laughs> tournament's yeah. all, all the better for it, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, these nations. Um, this came from listener Andy Fifield, and uh, it made me wonder, who better to produce the most audible header in World Cup history. Pulisic. Pretty easy for uh, Maguire to deal with. What a thump that was. Real base to it. Slabhead himself. Tremendous. I am, I am always sort of fascinated by the sound of footballers kicking the ball or indeed they're heading the ball. And I never really thought about it until, of all people, uh, Shrevesy was on mm. the pod. Mm. And he talked about the sound guy mm. on the fader, like bringing it up at certain moments. Like, just I just I'm just amazed that the microphones are that good to be able to pick it up that like that well yeah. that they can make it that loud. Well, this is the tournament for it, Charlie. Um, honestly, like doesn't matter where they are on the pitch, you can hear that ball being crisply pinged about. England USA the other night, it, it was like it was like their boots were mic'd up. This mm. is the most audible World Cup in history. I'm sure of it. Isn't that? Yeah, I mean, you'd imagine that the. Uh... No expense has been... They've probably got microphones embedded in the turf. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But isn't that always something that... I'm sure I've heard ex-pros or people who have been sort of close to the game, they'll say that, like, the sound, you know, even the noise that he made, the way he kicked the ball, it was such a pure kind of pop uh, because the speed with which they're hitting the ball is, like, unlike anything we can comprehend. Mm, that was a lovely sound. Um, next up, Darren Jay writes, and he was watching The Last Leg on Channel 4 the other night, and um, witnessed this discussion between Adam Hills and Alex Brooker. England and Wales both played today in the World Cup. Uh, England and USA ended up nil all. Uh, nil all? <laughs> well, nil the nil result nil. couldn't get any worse. It's now described as nil all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm really confused. Is that bad? Well, Is that... It's like nil nil, or it's like one all. When it... I've never heard nil all. Oh, really? This is a recurring theme because... Um, uh, the snappily named footyquiz.net also got in touch, Charlie, and said, in the last 24 hours, I've heard nil all multiple times, as well as zero, zero. I'm writing in getting angry about this, aren't I? 
Um, he says that he heard this on Australian TV. Do you think sort of Neil Orr is an Australian thing? I don't, I'm not dead against it. I yeah, say. I don't. You would never use it myself. No, it, it might well be. I mean, Neil is a, is a sort of funny footballing idiom. Mm. Um, so it, it wouldn't surprise me. And it might be that other sports use Neil in a slightly different way, and so it's come over from other sports that are more popular in Australia. I think because because. Of the very simple fact, before you get into any sort of footballing reason for this or cultural reason or whatever, just the fact that they're two short words, both ending in L, doesn't not doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Nil all, nil all. It doesn't. I don't think it sounds right. It just sounds weird. It's like I don't think you you don't want to name a child with like the, the same Neil. <laughs> Neil Ball. <laughs> um, Apologies to any Neil Balls listening. But as a, as a philosophical thing, I'm not dead against it. But it, if I was hard pressed to conclude something on it, Charlie, I think it, Neil All feels like something a, like a a proper sportsman would say. Like it, it, it's it's very colloquial, but it's also kind of there's a bit of sort of knowledge behind it. It's just something mm. you just throw out. Yeah, it's Neil All. Townsend could say Neil All. Neil All. Neil All. Where, where do you stand on zeros? And that kind of thing for nil-nil, which comes from other sports as well. So, I don't think there's any place for zero in football at all. Yeah, I can't think of any context in which it would be the, it would be even close to being the first choice. For well, it's funny you say that. And following on from our discussion in the live shows about kind of low-level kind of football pub chat, I do mm. remember it. Re- the reason I raised that, I remember someone walking in and being like, what's the score? And someone responding, zeros. And it oh. was really jarring with me. Oh, yeah, so zeros. Like, That's true. Yeah, it just went zeros. Yeah. Um, which I... Mm. I think comes from I think like table tennis. You might say that when you're playing casually, if it's like two all, I've heard people be like twos. That doesn't feel like something that you would just that would just you just trot out. That's something premeditated. I don't like mm. it. Don't like it. Um, from zero to hero, I think is the only acceptable football usage for zero. Um, but now, as the group stage passes its peak, Dave, thoughts turn to the last sixteen. I'm thinking about the language of teams progressing to the first knockout round. Um, can you book your place in the last 16? That's all right, isn't it? Yep, France booked their place in the last 16 with a 2-1 win against Denmark. They're the first team to book their place in the mm. last 16. Yeah, yeah, I suppose booking their place is OK, Charlie. I, I, I did wonder if booking your place is a bit more of a latter stage thing. You book your place, book a semi-final place or book a quarter-final place. But you can book a last 16 place, right? But I, but I think booking is better because they've still got a game. You know, you're booking it ahead. <laughs> OK. They're not buying a ticket on the day. They get like the early bird special yeah. for the last sixteen. Yeah, fair enough. That does make some sense, though. It still feels yeah, because I guess it'll be it'll be more sealed their place if it was done at the death of the group. Mm. Big fan, Charlie, of securing their passage. <laughs> Safe. Passage Always important to secure last... your passage. <laughs> so that's yeah, I mean, I think France. Obviously, the nature of that. If you do it with a game in hand, uh, a game to go. Another option is eased. Oh yeah. Um, you know. Marched. Rather than... Yeah. Marched and eased. Cruised. Stormed. Yeah. Yeah, all of those are good. Um, but yeah, booking their place is the most no-nonsense way of doing it. Next one from Audrin Martin, who picked up on our discussion the other day about the lion's share of possession. Well, here he goes. We were on honeymoon in Kenya in July on safari, and our guide explained what the lion's share is. And this is why we were looking at lions after eating and sleeping. He asked, did we ever hear the term? I couldn't help laughing and say I have on the podcast. So I was keen for him to explain exactly what it meant. He was describing it as the majority of the animal killed is eaten by the male, even though it's the female who mostly does the killing. So that's where the term originates. 
females hunt, male sleeps, then the male takes over, scares the female away until he's finished, he eats the most, goes back to sleep, and then the females eat the remaining part. I'm not, I'm not sure that's exactly where the origin is, surely. I mean, they're both lions. And then, unless you're differentiating between lion and lioness. Lioness, I guess I, I guess you are. Mm. Yeah. But the lion, but then maybe it, it does work, Dave, because lions don't have to share anything with anybody, any other animal. So they're just sharing amongst themselves. So maybe, maybe this is where it comes from. Well, and even like if the lion is getting 70% of it and the lioness is getting 30, mm. that in football terms would translate, I think, to a, yeah. a lion's share. A bit of in contest. Is there? Yeah, I was going to say, what's the in contest? <laughs> A hyena comes and scraps around for the last bit. Go on, you can have that last one. Cheers, cheers, cheers. We need to now then see if this is something that was uh, mirrored in the the land of the dinosaurs to see whether Vicky Sparks Mm. is and as he holds up. Yeah. Did the 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 male dinosaurs eat, eat eat more than the females? Who knows? I'm willing to go back and watch Land Before Time, but I won't watch the sequels. I won't. <laughs> not having it. Um, lower myself to that. No, absolutely not. Uh, this is from Connor Hogan, and it's uh, George Hamilton on RTE's coverage as Lionel Messi scores for Argentina versus Mexico after ooh, about 63 minutes, I think. Now it's Messi. We're all happy. We all win. <laughs> Job done. Very tidy. Yeah. Is he the most cometh the manny man, Dave? I mean, it's, it seems pretty clear cut. He is it? up there. And I think that there would be some commentators out there who might be tempted to slip in a little cometh the hour, cometh the messy. Mm. Cometh yeah. the man, yeah, cometh the messy. I could see that, you know, the alliteration I, is, tem- is tempting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think Stephen Gerrard's the ultimate. He feel he's so cometh the hour, cometh the man. Okay. Uh, like his whole, because he had that whole Roy of the Rovers thing. So I think, yeah, I think him more, even more so than Messi. Yeah, both of those players, Charlie, could be described in some areas of the world as clutch. But I'm not having it in UK sport. I'm not. I'm seeing it on the gentle rise, clutch. Not I don't also, like it. I don't think clutch is not an hour. It's scoring on an hour in a in a ninety minute match is not clutch. Clutch is oh, injury. Does time. clutch have to be last minute? I think it's. A, I think so. I'm, I'm actually. I might be completely wrong. I thought I, it was my, just a, my my yeah. interpretation was delivering right at the end, but maybe it's just delivering no. under, pressure, under pressure. Yeah, I think it's more just in the big moments, which yeah. often will come to you yeah. know will often be towards the end but I don't think they have to be an it's overarching just, yeah. narrative can can play its part in a clutch moment mm. okay. you, hear, you hear it in tennis as well and it will obviously yeah. it will be the last stages of a set or a match by definition or sort of a set or maybe ma- like match point down or something like that yeah yeah but yeah, but yeah and any it's it's the, the closing stages or mm. the sort of yeah the key moments okay uh, that's enough clutch chat for me this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. A great World Cup for commentary teams, Dave. I mean, they can just travel around, do as many matches as they like. I mean, you know, and uh, they, can, they can switch it up because they're all in and around the same area. But I can tell you who's having a really lonely commentary World Cup. That's Martin Tyler. James McAndrew writes in, says, On the Australian coverage of the World Cup, we've had Martin Tyler solo on what feels like every game so far. Is it ever acceptable to have just one commentator? Surely this shouldn't be allowed at any level. I've looked into this, Dave. Tyler has done a game every day. He did the first game, Qatar-Ecuador, England-Iran, Argentina-Saudi, Germany-Japan, Brazil-Serbia, England-USA, Argentina-Mexico, Spain-Germany. All massive games, the biggest games of the tournament. One every day, alone. No co-commentator of any of them. What's the thinking there, SBS? (laughs) No idea. Surely he didn't insist on it. If I can't have Alan Smith, I'm not having anybody. That is weird, because normally... The, the only times you would hear a solo commentary is in sort of extreme situations. So, uh, for example, the sky red button in the championship midweek games. Yeah. It's, it's a one commentator job, actually, and also one, a ba- pretty much one camera job as well. Soul destroying. I mean, I, I think, I think um, Joe Spate did the ivory coast the japan game that was on like 1 a.m in 2014 on his own for itv so they must have just obviously thought it's 1 a.m i don't know 1 a.m it's just it's just the one but even then it's a bit of a strange decision it's itv like someone someone they would have been able to get it done but it's like extreme mar- you know right at the margins of the co- of the of the commentary world for, for tyler at a world cup on his own that's, that's a real gruelling thing. It's quite world feedy, isn't it? Yeah. You just have the one commentator. Yeah. It's an instant kind of red flag that this is. Oh, he's definitely in Qatar. I know that. So he's yeah. definitely at the stadiums, of course. But um, that just just sounds like a knackering thing for a man mm. of his vintage, as well. Not having a co-coms to bounce off. That's harsh. Yeah, I wonder though if if in in some ways it's easier doing it solo, just because you don't you can kind of just do your own thing and you don't have to worry about saying the right thing to bring someone in and, you know, getting the right balance that way. Must you don't really have to think about style. that. Must be a completely different yeah. style. Yeah, it Singles is. and doubles in, in tennis. But you've got so much more space to fill. You know, I'm sure we, obviously we have some commentators who listen, so, I'm, you know, let us know, get in touch. Yeah. But, like, you must rely upon that extra voice, not not just for the for the purpose of them actually doing their job and analysing the football, but just purely to give your voice a rest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, game of day for Tyler. Um, he just loves it. Next up, from listener Matt, who's on the tube, Charlie, and saw this advert for Journey to Atlantis. Um, escape Hunt, Journey to Atlantis. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it, this poster on the tube is giving it the full kind of stage show treatment. Fantastically themed challenges, says Hope Woolston of Essex Live. So much team fun, says Virgin Atlantic. And then the Rolls Royce of Escape Rooms by <laughs> iTunes Birmingham. <laughs> this doesn't work. Not only does it not work because it's a completely tenuous usage of Rolls Royce. <laughs> you don't want an escape room to be a Rolls Royce situation. You don't want to just cruise through it and get it done. That's the whole point of escape rooms. <laughs> This is a rubbish one. It's true. You want there to, yeah. You want there to be lots of mishaps and uh, unexpected obstacles. A bit of jeopardy. Yeah. You want uh, the? Uh, I don't know. Cool. What do you want? The Robin Reliant of escape rooms? <laughs> just, just avoid any any car usage at all. Next up, simple one for us. This is from Guy Paul, who was either at or for some reason noticed the fact that Integra Business Solutions has announced Aco as the group's manufacturer of the year at its Strength Through Unity National Conference held at the Hilton at St George's Park. The award, voted for by members, was presented to the team by Aidan McDonough, Integra CEO, and sporting legend... Kevin Keegan. Yes! What is he doing? He gave a speech, apparently. I say this is impenetrable, this uh, Integra Business Solution. I've looked at this website for about half an hour. I have no idea what any of it's about. It's something to do with suppliers and resellers and dealers. I can only think at this point that he's involved in so many of these and also, as we heard with like Peter Shilton last week, similar type guys. on. on it's, just, it's clearly a circuit. And have, has his agent, has he got an agent who's just sort of tapped into the market? He's just got like somebody who just hooks him up with all these. Got another award to do for you, Kevin? Yeah. What is it this time? Integra Business Salute? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but there was one, yeah, there was... <laughs> There was one we thought the other week that was sounded so Keegan. That's why I didn't go for him that time. Maybe there's maybe he's got more quality control than, uh, than we think. Think of things he's turning down. That's just, what we don't see. Maybe just, maybe just really enjoys people coming up to him and saying, oh, "I really loved you as a player." And mm. but you know, how what sort of generation of people are at these awards on average? Are they really going to remember him as a? They'll probably remember him as the manager, don't they? So yeah, oh, drunkenly being asked about his rant on it's, Sky. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Or the toilet thing, resigning the toilet. Just, if, if if someone just sort of sees him on the way in, can hey Kev, I would love, love it. it, love it if yeah. we won tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awful! Uh, God knows where he's going next. Anyway, um, M Rice has got in touch and says, uh, "What's the tipping point between the defender snuffing out the danger and a striker running into traffic?" My immediate mental image, Charlie, is in the first example, a defender taking more control, getting his body between the player and the ball, or at least. At least sliding in and taking taking the ball away fairly unfussily. A striker running into traffic is there's no defensive thought that goes into it. It's, it's all the strikers doing. It's actually quite obvious this one, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, traffic as well implies there are a number of defenders sort of involved, whereas yeah. the snuffing mm-hmm. is you step it's a solo into it, effort, isn't it. Yeah, as a solo in that in a slightly imperious way. I can imagine like a Varane or someone doing that. Yeah. You step it, or or Thiago Silva step in. A Rolls Royce act, isn't it? It is quite Rolls Royce acting, yeah, Yeah, because there's something quite unfussy about it. But no Rolls Royce is involved in running into traffic, Dave. No, No, it's as you say, it's a crowded sort of maybe a crowded sort of edge of the penalty area. Hmm. You're just running in. It's almost again. Is it close to running down a blind alley? Yeah, yeah. It's it's much more similar to that. And Hmm. and snuffing out the danger also made me think of. There's also you hear, you hear defenders, you hear like Carragher, for example, like talking about sniffing out the danger as well. Mm. Oh no, you, that defender. sniffing is when you identify the danger and then go and deal with it. It's like yeah. smelling the danger, isn't it? You sniff it and then yeah. you snuff it. Sniff it then snuffle. Yeah. Um, you can also smother. You can smother the danger. 
which isn't as literal as it sounds. It's just more a case of just, yeah, like smothering a, a, a fire that's just started. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because goal, goalkeeper smother. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Agreed. Next up, Joe Blundell says, during the Brazil match, Martin Keown said, Richarlison is scoring goals for fun for his national team. He had 17 in 38 when Keown said that, says Joe. Does this warrant scoring for fun? And what is the minimum requirement for scoring for fun? First thing I would say here, Charlie, is before we even get into the maths of this, I wouldn't say that scoring for fun should be deployed for an entire international career. This is a short to medium term thing, right? Exactly that, He's scoring goals for fun at the moment, or he's been scoring goals for fun in Belgium or something like that. This isn't a he's been scoring goals for fun in his career. Yeah, I think it, it, it strongly implies slash exclusive is used for form. Like there's a form element to it. Score, you know, because you you almost always hear scoring goals for fun at them. He's scoring goals for fun at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it you'd have to look at his record, recent record for Brazil. I think, which is pretty good. You wouldn't say about Messi, for example. Exactly. Oh, he scored goals for fun in the Liga. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it just it it's very much a well, hot, hot streak sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. You, think- could you say he scored goals for fun wherever he's been? Okay, so isolated cases of scoring for fun all put together to make up a career of scoring for fun, but without explicitly saying it. That could work. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, he scored for fun wherever he's been, yeah. Um, In Keown's defence, it sounds like he was referring to Richarlison's recent form for Brazil rather than mm. his entire career. So Mm. Blundell's being rather misleading here about (laughs) the way he's framed it. But on the the threshold point, I mean, I think you have to be... More than one in two. Oh, definitely more than one in two. I mean, depending on how sort of recently you're talking and I think you are I think you don't want to be much more than one or two goals under games um, from you know I don't think for six and eight would six and eight be scoring goals for fun yeah I'd say so but I think what you want to be careful is Dave I don't know if you agree with this or not but scoring goals for fun you you don't want to get to a stage where it becomes he can't he just can't stop scoring which sounds much more unpleasant sounds like a real affliction so scoring for fun is 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 less of a deal I think um, so yeah, six and eight would be the about the limit, and, and then when uh, you get closer to one, a goal a game, that's where you just can't stop scoring, and that sounds like it's you know like you know they would make a film out of this, like a the guy who just couldn't stop scoring. Well, like there was an epidemic in the Middle Ages in Germany where people couldn't stop dancing. <laughs> really? Generally, there was like they were. It was. I mean, it may be you know urban myth passed down the generations but so is so, so <laughs> may not be medically proven but so the story goes dancing they could not fun. stop they yeah they were dancing for fun but it's i guess yeah it's, it stops becoming fun and then they couldn't stop what sorry what what is this i just, sorry, I just need to look this up german middle ages dancing <laughs> there must have been an incredible name the strange case of dancing dancing mania the, also known as the dancing plague yes the Dancing Plague of 1518. St. John's Dance, Tarantism. Wow. Occurred primarily in mainland Europe between the 14th and 17th centuries. Fucking hell. 300 years of dancing. That really is can't stop. Oh, bloody hell. That is knackering. Right. Very troubling scenes. Dan Keeville has alerted me to this on Five Live as Mitrovic goes in hard on Brazil's Thiago Silva. And Thiago Silva there, Chris Sutton's just got a, a welcome to the World Cup and have been clattered and, and knocked to the floor. He doesn't look best pleased. Uh, Dan Keeville asks, who can welcome who to a World Cup? Mm. In this circumstance, I'm not having it. Thiago Silva's at his fourth World Cup, Mitrovic at his mere second. That's irrelevant. Like, you you yeah, can't be is. welcoming people to the World Cup, unless you were the host <laughs> player. I was going to say, I, th- yeah, I think the only way would be if there was something particularly specific to a World Cup's conditions. Let's say it was being played at altitude or something. You wouldn't say that. You'd say, oh, welcome to La Paz or ever it may be yeah. being played. Like, yeah. you wouldn't... The World Cup doesn't belong to you, mate. Even even if it was the other way around, <laughs> it, it, Thiago Silva sort of shepherding, I don't know, 
Callum Wilson off the pitch. He wouldn't be welcome to the World Cup, Callum Wilson, would he? It's not, it's not even Thiago Silva's. It's not yours. Not even a Mexican's. They can't have it either. Nobody owns it. Is, uh... Infantino saying it to someone like, behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Um, another tube advert to get stuck into. This is from Steve, who looked up on the tube and saw this. Um, some random company connected with Crystal Palace are saying, win the ultimate Patrick Vieira experience. <laughs> um, you could meet Crystal Palace manager Patrick Vieira plus watch an EPL game with seven friends. <laughs> but I, I, if, if I, for the ultimate, the ultimate Patrick Vieira experience, I want him to... I want him to like tackle me. Just tackle me. Yeah, bully me off the yeah. ball and steam past me. <laughs> and, then, and do some ju- like juggle the ball a bit. Rub some Vicks <laughs> on your chest. <laughs> this is how you do it. it a Vicks masterclass. Uh, but the, the question from Steve is, which managers would have the best slash worst ultimate experience? So let's look at the current season Premier League managers. The Mikel Arteta ultimate experience, Charlie. That would be very, intense. very intense. Yeah. Marching you outside and I, of his technical area. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of being very evasive at any question you asked him. Just sort of doing that like, smirk of like, I'm not going to tell you the answer to that question. Uh, Dave, what do you reckon the Gary O'Neill ultimate experience would be? <laughs> I mean, fairly pleasant, actually, to be mm. honest. I imagine a, a nice round of golf in Bournemouth with, with Gary O'Neill, actually. Yeah. Quite um, do you know what would be, be a really good one? Thomas Frank. Mm. That would be a really high-energy... Fun like a, just a experience. Hit class, wouldn't it? Yeah, there'd be something like he. I think he'd take you to something a bit. You'd also different. go. You'd go to the four pubs in Brentford as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes. And he he'd pour the pints. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The the Frank Lampard ultimate experience. I'd wonder what era he was aiming for. If it was early Frank Lampard, I'll be up for it. <laughs> now, not so sure. Double bill with like a real real serious drama followed by a comedy. <laughs> Sleeping at the training ground <laughs> and, until until he finally turns the team's fortunes around. Jesse Marshall to me experience that would be too much. Yeah, it would be too much. Um, I think he'd start arguing with you early doors, and you'd be like, hmm, "Not really up for this." The Antonio Conte ultimate experience, Charlie. Could you handle it? it again, that would be intense. Mm. I think I think he would demand maybe more from you than you'd be able to give. Yeah, um, but it'd be fun for a while. Mm. Right. Next up, Nick Metcalf really enjoyed this punditry from Matty Upson on the BBC, and I have to say, before we play the clip, I fully sympathise with this. It's it's a difficult question to answer off the top of your head. Oh, to do. I, I, honestly, it's one of those things that you could try it a few times and just not get it right. It was just it was absolute perfection, and the way he did it was a tough, tough skill. Do you have a favourite goal so far? Um, my favourite goal so far, I wouldn't say I do. No, no <laughs> that been that lots of good Make that yours then. Yeah. Today. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> it's been a long day. A lot yeah, of football. Yeah. Thank you very much, Matthew. That that is tough. I mean, God, like if I had to answer that question now, I'm not really sure what I would say. <laughs> off the cuff, does she? Does Logan then just give him one? Yeah, it's so whatever like, goal they were just talking about, which I think right, is one yeah, of the yeah. Australian goals. The Aussie header, wasn't header, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't. I guess the impulse here, Charlie, is like, well, I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to sort yeah. of forget an obvious one. So I'll just say I haven't got one, which is fair enough. <laughs> Refreshing yeah, honesty, really. Yeah, yeah, good, good punditry. If anything, this has all been leading up to this, though, which, which is, I mean, we are obsessed, of course, with um, mid-game commentator banter. Um, this is Alan Shearer with with the most satisfying banter of all in pretty much any context, which is doing an impression of one of your mates, but with a completely unrealistically high-pitched voice. Please note the length of silence after this. And if Muller gets one more goal, he goes level with Jürgen Klinsmann. That's right, on 11 World Cup goals. No wonder Jürgen told me he didn't want to play tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Miroslav closer with the World Cup record of 16. 
Jürgen Klinsmann on 11. Thomas Muller on 10. You can just picture Lineker in the studio now. Give me a mention. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. One of those go and make a cup of tea moments on the Football Clichés podcast, I think. Steve Bauer taking charge there, Dave. Now, I'm going to put my neck on the block here and say, during those 30 seconds, they must have gone back to the studio and had some secret extra banter with Inica that we weren't allowed to hear. That's the only explanation. I don't know whether that functionality will exist. I don't think that Gary Lineker would be able to just, and the other guys would be able to just beam into the into their ears. You, the producers, obviously, mm. would be talked back to them. But I don't know, maybe. But I, I, I'm not sure. Good though, Good though, Charlie, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. What's funny about that, like he could, you feel like he, all he ends, I mean, I guess he just is so desperate to end it. He just, he, you know, he has to say Olmo, but there are other, plenty of other players he could have said in that intervening 30 seconds. I wonder mm. if there's any sense to which he's, is he enjoying it? I have to say he or must he, have been, yeah. Excruciating no. wait. 30 seconds yeah. exactly, I can tell you. 30 amazing. seconds of dead air. A whole advert's worth of, of uh, uncommentated football. Um, anyway, it's time for Keys in Grey Corner. Right, first up, no audio for this, but I'm going to take James Horncastle at his word. Pre-match the other night, aerial shot of the Al Bait Stadium, and Kesey says, I go that way to Marks and Spencer's. Anyway, Kaka will be in the studio next. <laughs> <laughs> He's abandoned big say-nos then. Yeah, gone up in the world. I think he had mentioned M&S before. I mean, it's a solid brand. Glad to hear that they're doing well over there. So, solid English brand. This revelation from Kevin Kilban said, Richard Key is just saying that Aldridge wouldn't be in position to score versus Mexico in 1994 if Jason McAteer hadn't scored versus Holland in qualifying. <laughs> McAteer replied that his goal was in fact 10 years later. Eight years, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, Keyes just simply replied, modern journalism. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> but anyway, Dave, you called this. Anybody who's been to the live show will know that you called this as we were talking about the World Cup pundits. Here is Richard Keyes on Being Sports lead pundit, Kaka. Lineup we have in the studio to match it. Gary Neville is with us, John Terry, Andy Gray, and trade name Kaka. But to those of us who know him intimately, <laughs> Ricardo, Ricky. <laughs> Ricardo, Ricky. Awful. Skin crawling, actually. So curious as well to see Gary Neville with Keyesy and Gray. Given, you know, how much Keezy's gone in on the fact that, you know, the real MNF and that sort of stuff. Warm handshakes back on opening day. So clearly no beef at all. Um, thanks to you, David Walker. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Enjoy the next couple of days of World Cup action. We'll be back on Friday. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.